ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, this is Emma Griffiths. And a word in your ear with me, Emma Griffiths and Professor Rowley Sussex. Rowley, has anything good happened to you, around you? Have you got some good news to share? Rain. Oh. My, I live on acreage and uh, we have a, an arrangement with the horses from next door. Two thirds of the property goes to the horses and one third goes to me. And we have a trading relation based on feed in one direction and manure in the other which is magic for my tomatoes. Oh, that sounds like a very good arrangement. Very good. But the tomatoes need rain. And, and so does the feed, I and imagine. And so does the feed. And the paddocks have been brown and crackly and sad and really quite disappointing. So when I heard the noise of rain on the roof, I thought, yeah. Mm. And I don't know why, but all the way through the drought, I was carefully watering favoured trees and saying, here's a bit for you. And some of the others I said, look, best of luck. But... They, they didn't die, but when the rain comes, all of a sudden, everything, including the ones I've been watering, perk up and start flowering. Yeah. And um, my citrus orchard has suddenly gone bang, and everything is flowering, and there's beautiful smell everywhere. And they don't respond to my watering, they respond to rain. So, sling it down, Huey. Yes, that's right. Sling it down, Huey. Rain would be good news uh, just about anywhere in Queensland, I think, at the moment. So we'll Let's have some more. Yeah. And anyone who is a good rainmaker, we have a job for you. Yeah. Love to hear about your efforts to, you know, rain dance or something. Now, did you want to, since we're talking about horses and manure... <laughs> But maybe just the horse uh, terms. Yes, okay. By the way, I was driving in uh, around where I live yesterday and there was a sign someone had put on the, on the gate, horse poo, $2. Now, a few years ago, we'd never have used the word poo in public. It was, it was a vulgarity, you know, sort of a, 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 something which, which wasn't really quite nice. Horse manure, maybe. Mm. You know. but, but no, everything says horse poo, you know, sheep poo, duck poo, whatever. Yeah. Chukpu, and has now become one of the signs of, of one of these words which has entered everyday life and has lost a lot of its former negative associations. Do you think we've become more vulgar? Yes. <laughs> or rather, sorry, the vulgarity associated with a lot of words has dwindled. Because there's probably more <laughs> vulgarity that's well, worse we, on the scale. We use them more. I mean, the word bloody, for example, used to be terrible. Uh, and nowadays, nobody even twitches when you say it. It just mm. means very. Uh, and uh, there was, you know, a time when particularly ladies um, would never say it. Um, my grandma, for example, who was born in 1876, uh, never ever said anything like that. And it would have been not the sort of thing a lady did. No, I think I might have been roused on by my parents, mm. mum and my nanny yeah. for saying bloody when I was a teenager. You know, in the Harry Potter novels yes. and movies, one mm. of the main characters says bloody, mm -hmm. but he, Ron Weasley says bloody hell, mm. uh, but he says it to his mates. So not to teachers, not to adults, okay. but to friends. There is a membrane which you should not cross. Okay. But again, I mean, Mr. Beasley said bloody in the house. Sorry, not Mr. Beasley, Mr. Beatty said bloody in the house about 12 years ago. And nobody paid much attention at all. I mean, the speaker didn't haul him up for, for inappropriate language. And so, you know... He would have been disappointed by that, wouldn't you, Peter Beattie? <laughs> We've got calls coming in. Do you right. want to take some calls first, and then we'll get on to horses? Oh, uh, well, let, let's start the horses okay, first. Okay, right, right, right. Because... Rolly's in charge. We've talked about horses and uh, homes and 
using horses to move people and goods around and the way in which words from that entered our everyday vocabulary and basically stuck. And this is a really important indicator that something was once part of our everyday needs, right? And when that need actually vanishes, the words persist. And it's even more true of horse racing, which, of course, has not vanished from anything. And we're now entering the spring carnival and horse words are all around us. And, for example, dark horse. Someone's a dark horse. Now, that was actually used by Disraeli, the British Prime Minister, in 1831, meaning... I think he was referring to a person uh, who had properties you weren't sure how good they were going to be. And so they, they might show promise, they might be, you know, an unknown quantity. Um, we now say someone's at the starting gate or under starter's orders, and of course that's horse racing. But it can also mean people getting ready to do something, or even people in a running race. Okay? Uh, you cross the line and that was the line, or down to the wire. Now, in American horse racing, they used to have a wire strung across the finishing line, about 12 feet up, and then the judges were on a, a kind of staging behind, and they could actually line, line up that, that wire with the horse's noses as they crossed, and that gave them a really good indication of which horse had won or not. So down to the wire was part of the end of a horse race. Definitely use that. Oh, yes. You hear that all the time in uh, news reports as well, the Particularly politics. Mm. You know, it's going down to the wire. I mean, we won't know the result until right at the end when all the votes are counted or whatever. And it's going to be a close call. That's another, another horsey thing. Uh, and there are, there are literally 60 or 70 uh, that I've got here, like pipped at the post or first past the post. Now, remember, first past the post is not proportional voting the way we have it, preferential. Um, but first past the post is the way the Brits do it. Um, you can win by a nose. And even on the nose is interesting. And on the nose has two quite different meanings. If you bet a horse on the nose, you want them to win. And it's uh, New York 1948. Someone was betting on a horse race, and we've got a date on this one. And putting so much money on the horse's nose meant you wanted them to win. Whereas there's also on the nose, you know, something, something's a bit Sorry, on the so nose. Sorry, so would they just literally put some money on a horse's nose? <laughs> Metaphorically, <laughs> yes, but I doubt if the horse would have been very pleased. Uh, Stay still long enough. Yeah, right. But, but being on the nose means something is a bit out of favour, suspicious, not nice. It can also mean, of course, just uh, unpleasant olfactory sensation. Mm. Um, Lee is asking, where does sulky come from? If you're oh. feeling a bit sulky... Is that a horse-related term in terms of the little carriages okay, that no, used the, to be used? Yeah. Uh, no, the, the, that, that sulk is, is, um, is a word meaning uh, mood, and it goes back, goes back, I think, to the 18th century, one what. Whereas a sulky is a, is a light two, it's a two-wheeled, horse-drawn carriage, fairly light and so on. And I don't think that one comes from, from being sulky and cross at all. I'll double-check that one. Good, good, good one, though. Yeah. Good point. So there are quite a few of these words. So many of these are of ringing bells. Yes. Definitely. Yep. And that reminds me of Christmas. And Christmas is coming. And we will, in fact, be doing a Christmas wordy program with... Definitely. Yes. With Alison Alexander, our favourite cook. Plotting is taking place. <laughs> 
you know what they did, actually? Rolly and Alison had coffee together and planned a program. This is great. I just have to sit here and press buttons and they're organising <laughs> everything. So you can look forward to that one on a Saturday coming up, probably in late November, early December. Any more horse terms you wanted to run by us? Oh, heaps. Um, walkover, I like. Uh, the, you, is that a horse term? It is, yeah. And uh, you see... We use these terms very frequently, and people have forgotten they had anything to do with horse racing. The origin of this one is, if you turn up, particularly a country race meeting, there aren't too many horses running anyway, you're the only horse and rider that actually presents themselves at the start. So you walk over the course, and thereby you win. So it's very easy, and you don't have to exert yourself. In retrospect, that seems so obvious, you know, but people Definitely. don't know. Definitely. Yeah. That's excellent to know. Um, people, you blow our minds all the time, Rolly. You realise well, that, don't you? I, I get pleasure with these things because I go looking for horsey words and uh, very often um, say across the board. Now, across the board was um, a betting thing because the bookies used to have a – well, they still do – have a board where they write, write uh, um, various things about you know how much money on which horse, what the odds are. And this is when equal amounts are bet on the same horse to win, place or show. And that was across the board. Nowadays, across the board literally means, I think, something like um, everything that is involved in a particular issue. The whole range the of The whole it. range of things, yeah. yes. So once again, it's, it's a case of, if you like, horse trading. And there's another one uh, which may or may not involve horses. And I've got, I've got quite a few more. It's really interesting the way in which um, our... No, in future generations, I think horse, horse rating will, will persist. It's far too important for us to give up. Mm. But people will look back and they'll be able to, to plot certain dates when words and phrases entered the language. Some of those that you've spoken about, you use almost subconsciously, yeah. unconsciously. Yeah, so-and-so so so is in the running. So yeah, that's yeah, right. You're in the running. That's a horse race. Wow. Yeah. All right, well, Robert in Yoronga has been patiently waiting for quite a while. Good mm. morning, Robert. What did you want to talk to Rolly about? Yes, good morning, uh, Emma and Rolly. Yeah. Um, yes, I in the earlier session, just before the news, um, Emma has used the expression, the commonly used expression, uh, rouse on your children. Oh, uh, I just uh, used it again then when I said uh, bloody and my grandmother roused on me. That's yes. right. Well, well, my question is, how do, how do you spell rouse and what, what is its origin? Okay. As far as I know, it's R-O-U-S-E, like rouse. Yeah. And the two are spelt the same but pronounced differently. And rouse, of course, is to, someone, to stop someone sleeping, to wake them up. But to rouse on, this is an Americanism, uh, and it means to take someone to task pretty vigorously, you know, to tell them off uh, and uh, to, to, uh, with, with a view to improving their behavior. And so if you do something inappropriate. You know. But again, as far as I know, rouse on is American. So it's come from America. I think so. They've gotten into my brain. Oh. Robert, I, what I, am I going to do about that? <laughs> I have a database of about 10,000 American words and expressions used in Australia. And some of them, like OK, are absolutely everywhere and we don't even, we don't count anymore. I can remember when I was a kid when using OK and wearing jeans was thought to be a, a bit kind of out there. You Made know? you a rockabilly or something. Yeah. Were um, you wearing leather and saying, no, 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 no. were you being like the Fonz? Not quite. But David, David Crockett and so on were in, in those days and, you know, the, all of the, the cowboy thing. And the, the American way of speaking has given us an enormous number of phrases, some of which we don't even think about anymore. Um, 
Now, for example, all the, all the words relating to fast food which the Americans invented, they also gave us the vocabulary. Okay. We'll do that another day. I love it. Thank you very much, Robert. Um, you know, I know that my language is being noticed, definitely. Oh, yes. 19 we- past 10, so it should be too. I'm very privileged to be on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland with you. And you're calling in to have a chat with uh, Emeritus Professor Roland Sussex, the Rollster. He's not wearing his leather pants today. Kathy in Toowoomba. Thank you. Kathy, um, what did you want to talk to Rolly about? Um, I want to trot out a couple. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, no, I don't have many. Um, trot out and then um, flat strap. Oh, yes. Well spotted, yes. Um, flat strap. Is is a I'm, I'm sure both of these are, are are horsey, and you hear them increasingly frequently round about round about November time. You know, um, they're well spotted. Yes, and I'm going to trot out something. You know, this is when the horse trots out, and particularly a horse, I think sales. You know, when they're showing off their yeah. paces, and paces is again show off your paces is another horse one. Really? Oh yeah, paces. Ah, mm. oh, Kathy, you're a good one. You're a bit clever, aren't you? Thank you very much for calling in. Penny in Everton Hills in Brisbane is also saying there's also champing at the bit. Yes, and please not chomping at the bit. Champ and chomp are both words which mean roughly the same thing, uh, meaning to chew vigorously and perhaps slightly indelicately. But if you're going to have champing at the bit, this is what, what horses do. You know, when you've got the bit in the horse's mouth, it's uncomfortable for them, and a lot of them keep on sort of chewing, trying to get it, spit it out sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and so champing at the bit is definitely... Definitely horsey. Hazel in Brabby Island is also um, thinking about the use of the term rouse. They used mm. to use the term rouse to chase away dogs or people. Rouse, rouse. Could it possibly come uh, from German? That's different, yes. That's heraus, H-E-R-A-U-S. And it's also used in PNG and in, I think, Hirimoto and Tokpisin, which are the languages derived from England, English up there. And rouse means get out of here, you know. Get away. Aha. Which, so it's a different meaning again. Yes, which in Arabic was Im- imshi, which is learnt by soldiers in the Middle East. You know, get, away, get out of here. Off you go. Mm. Okay, Hazel. You were on the right track there, but it's a different meaning again. It's yep. not trying to get stuck mm-hmm. into somebody and correct their behaviour. Uh, Peter in the Gap has called in, the Gap in Brisbane. Hello, Peter. What did you want to run by Rolly today? Oh, yes, uh, Rolly. If you look at something somebody's doing, you say, that's a bit of a schmuzzle. What does uh, that word come from? Yeah, schmuzzle, S-H-E-M-O-Z-L-E. Um, anything with a sh in front of it, particularly sh plus a consonant, you ought to think immediately Hebrew or, or Yiddish. And this one is Yiddish, which is a dialect of German spoken by Jewish people. And um, it's, it's taken from Hebrew, and it means something which has no luck. No luck at all. So schmozzle uh, in modern English means a, a bit of a mess, disorderly, a state of chaos, confusion, uh, out of control. But originally it meant no luck. No luck, yes. That's fascinating. Yeah. Schmozzle, use that one all the time too. You probably heard me on the radio using that one. Peter, thanks for calling in. Hal is in Clumber. Hal, I'm so sorry. Where's Clumber? Are you there, Hal? Where are you? Cunningham's Gap. Oh, nice one. Oh, right. You've got a new road there. Have we? Yeah. <laughs> We've got a new fire. Oh, really? Yeah. What did you want to talk to Rolly uh, about? Rolly, I read a book once, 
probably surprises you. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. Um, croaked yes. for dead. Mm. And in the book, it was uh, the scene was set in Paris where somebody had died yes. and the undertaker formally turned up, but the undertakers were called Croaks Moor. Oh. That I don't know anything C-R-O-Q-U-E-S-M-O-R-T. Oh, um, yeah, Croak. This is... No, uh, sorry, my accent's not too good. Not yeah. a, we, we're not all like Rolly, are we, yeah, Hal? <laughs> there's um, a croquet in, in French, I think, means to bite or something. And there's a croque monsieur and a croque madame in French, which are uh, things to eat. Uh, it's sort of fried bread with ham and cheese on top and so on. Yeah. Croque-mort, um, I've never come across that one, but I will check it out for you. And uh, we do actually have also the word croak in English, meaning to die. Yeah, well, that's that's it. Uh, I wondered if that was the origin, the French was the origin of the English expression croak to croak. I think probably not, because there is, after all, things like the death rattle, horrible phrase, meaning the noise people make when they are just about to die. And and I think saying that someone has croaked is is related to that. I'll, homework, I'll though, Hal. Yes. You've got Hal's homework to look after for next week. I'll try and listen. Yeah, oh, well, excellent. Thank you Thank very, you very much, much, Hal. It's coming up to 25 past 10 on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Emma Griffiths with you and Professor Rowley Sussex talking words, phrases. Uh, we've been focusing in on words used uh, in horse context, mm-hmm. horse racing, riding horses that have uh, come into daily usage. What about, we heard you earlier, if you were listening to ABC Radio Brisbane, talking about unruly and Ruly. Oh, yes. And there was one that came up between Ruth uh, DeGlar and I, Ruth's producing the show at the moment, unflappable. Mm-hmm. There's no flappable, is there? In theory, there. well, there certainly was once. Uh, but there's about 50 of these words which only have negatives left, uh, like um, discomfort, we, no, we're sorry, discomforted, comforted maybe, um, couth, we don't have couth, we have uncouth. All right. Nondescript, indomitable, ineffable, uh, feckless, um, gruntled, disgruntled. Yeah, what would, what would uh, the opposite of feckless be? Uh, I don't know. Fe- feckful? Well, there, there, was a, there was a feckful and it meant powerful. The word, the word does actually mean power. Innocuous, impeccable, impervious. In other words, the, the positives of these have just fallen out of use. And we're a miserable lot. We only have the negatives left. And they've all got negative senses as a rule. Mm. So, you know, They're un- so useful unwieldy, too, unspeakable. aren't they? Sorry? They're so useful. Yes, they are. You know, mm. they're, they're very, very, um, well, insipid. You know, insipid is a very nice word. Mm. Sipid itself would be rather, you know, sipid actually means something which tastes good. So insipid, which is something which is wishy-washy, willy-nilly, nothing much weak. to do. Weak, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but English has, you know, about, about 50 of which only the negative has survived. I love it. Uh, Barbara in Piramon. Hello, Barbara. Uh, Rolly's here for you. Good morning to you both. Um, I, I'm not on the theme, but I've been wondering about this for ages and I've finally got a chance to ask you, Rolly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way people pronounce words. Yes. And I've noticed that some politi- uh, pom- politicians, instead of saying our, they say are. Our house instead of our. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is um, 
we, we moved up from Victoria to Queensland and we noticed a lot of Queenslanders say sandwich instead of sandwich. Mm. Um, sandwich and pumpkin mm. and <laughs> there's various others which are quite, they really stand out to me. And what, so Barbara, do you say it correctly now? Like, do you say sandwich? Oh, no, I say oh. sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. I don't know, Barbara. <laughs> We're going to make some sandwiches. Okay, yeah. where did you come from, Barbara? I come from Victoria. Which part of? Ballarat. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm from Melbourne originally, and I'm sorry to, to spoil your day, but I've heard all of these in Victoria as well, particularly more recently. Oh, okay. Uh, they're very common. And for example, like sand, sand, sandwich, if you think about it, you've got to get your, the N and D are made with the tongue touching the, r- the ridge behind your teeth, mm-hmm. and then W is made with the, uh, with the lips rounded for the word. And so it's easier if you make the preceding sounds with the lips as well. So that's where you get sandwich from. And punk, pumpkin, pumpkin, right? This, it's a collection of dis- different sorts of sounds. Make them all into NG type sounds, pumpkin. And it's, an e- it, it's called assimilation in linguistics. It means you're making the sounds more like adjacent sounds. Makes them easier to pronounce. And a lot of people will do this. Even Emma and, and I, at speed, will be heard to do these things. Often it's so fast you can barely hear it. Come on, Barbara, take it easy uh, now. You're uh, in Queensland and just say punk, have a pumpkin sandwich. Yeah, yes, but, but as far as our house goes, this is a, a vowel which does differ between lots of English. English varieties, and in if you go to Wales, they will say our house, our house, making our. It, uh, definitely two two syllables instead of ah. And so, what are the variations of our? Our air, air house, um, as opposed to our house. Going, going. That's to, how you say it on the BBC. Very, very upper class British. Yes, and our, yes. And how? What's an American sort of pronunciation of it? Um, it that would they would be pronouncing that they would say our. Yeah. Well, they r- pronounce it the They end. love the R's, right? Well, America is, American English is, is what's called rhotic, R-H-O-T-I-C, because rho is the word for the Greek letter R, and rhotic dialects pronounce R after vowels. And you and I don't. British English doesn't. Australian English doesn't. Also the Kiwis and the South Africans. But in North America, the Canadians and the Americans all pronounce R after vowels. And so do the Irish and a lot of the Scots, and a lot of British dialects, including the West Country. And is that why it's so prevalent in America, because there are a lot of Irish people that went there? This is a matter of great debate. Uh, A lot of people think the Irish maybe has something to do with it. But a lot of British dialects are rhotic as well. Because remember, my my folks come from Zomerzet down in the south. I love it when you do that accent, Rolly. down there. And you know, they do pronounce R after vowels. <laughs> Leaving it out after vowels was an upper-class British thing. What other British accents do you do? Uh, oh, I can do a Yorkshire, but never mind. Oh. Not, not today. <laughs> oh, having too much fun. Okay, now, remember how we were just saying that if you used bloody, mm. you'd get roused on? Yes. Well, I definitely did. Well, this, I don't know. This is um, a man's name, Mungrel. If I used that name, Mungrel, oh. in Landsborough, I would probably get in trouble as well from my grandmother. But that's your name, your nickname. That is my nickname, yes. And I got it when I was only four years old, and I'm 51 now, so it's stuck. Are you okay yeah. with that? I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. I'm Australian, and I'm proud of being a Mungrel. Uh-huh. 
Mongrel goes back to the Middle Ages and, and related to words uh, re- meaning mix, actually. So a mongrel is technically a dog of mixed or indeterminate race. You don't know which bits went into its genes. Well, that's all of us, but, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I also say that my English is a mongrel because it's it's got some British bits in it and it's got lots of Australian bits. And it's also unstable. It tends to differ depending on who I'm talking to. So mongrel is, is actually, in Australia, can be quite quite a, um, a non-critical word. On the other hand, oh, a bit of a mongrel, you know, meaning that someone's acting in a selfish and unthoughtful way. It, depending on the context, you've got to be careful. But I agree, in, in Australia, like the word bastard, which can be quite nice. You know, are oh, you generous old bastard? Yeah, it's got to be used by someone that you're quite familiar with like Correct. that, wouldn't it? And with a positive words around it. But if you use the word bastard about anyone in, say, England or America... Um, I think you'll be taken out and thumped. It's, it's, yeah. it's a real insult. So, Mongrel in Landsborough, do you feel like it's appropriate nickname for you? Uh, look, I look at it more from the early to mid-Australian era where, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s, when you had your Australian slang and, and Mongrel was used a lot then, especially when jokes were told. I mean, mm-hmm. you look back at Hey Hey It's Saturday and the two comedians that used to tell jokes all the time, and um, oh, the gentleman off home and away, he uses the word term as well. Mm-hmm. You're right. Ray, the, Ray someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, you're quite right. This is a, uh, a word which I think is slipping a little bit. It's not nearly as common as it used to be. No, um, but I noticed that a lot of elderly people get very, I'm 51, mm-hmm. and elderly, they just cannot tolerate it or stand it because... To them, it was a, a derogative term. Yes, you're right. It, it, it used to be quite quite negative and uh, a way of, of putting someone down, actually. Whereas we, in, in Australia, we can be a bit perverse about these things. And sometimes, as with bastard, you know, we, we take negative words and, and we use them in an indulgent sort of way. And I, I'm sure people... people well, now that your name is Mongrel, it's, it's stuck. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> common around you then, I guess. What is your christened name? Like, what's your name name? Uh, I'm Sc- uh, Scottish by descent, so I'm an Andrew McCallum. Ah, okay. So you don't got... get any more Scottish than that. You not really. Not, not really. All right. Well, it's lovely to hear from you, Mungrel. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank oh, you. you too. Love it. That was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, we've got a couple more calls coming in. Rolly, are you mm-hmm. right to hang around sure. just yes. for a few more minutes? Because Warwick is in Toowoomba. Hello. What? is your question for Rolly Warwick. Good morning, Emma. Rolly, it's your fault I can't do the jobs in the morning. I'll listen to your show, but anyway, that's good. Um, no, just uh, some of my bogan friends with the word good day mm. think it's a strange invention, but the French have had bonjour for ages. Mm. Where did it originate from? Oh, lots of places say good day. In, in German, for example, it's guten tag, and in Russian it's dobry dien. In lots of countries say good day as a way of greeting someone. And originally it was, I wish you a good day. I hope, you know, things are going well with you, which is rather nice. Now, good day is just a, um, a an Australian abbreviation. It's now, probably because of Paul Hogan, well-known internationally as being an Australianism. And Crocodile Dundee took it to the U.S., and quite often when I go to America, people say, say to me, say it. And I say, say what? And they say, good day. <laughs> So Hoags, Hoags has, has done something for us. He's taken part of our, our everyday language into other places. And it, Wear the hat and then take the knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a knife, Warwick. No. Uh, so these are knife, your yeah. bogan friends, are they? 
oh well you, you have some and you have not but mm. anyway these these uh yeah that's how you describe them warwick <laughs> Well, where the word bogan come from? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that, that's again something we don't know. There is a bogan shire in the west of New South Wales, but they've they've fervently denied that they had anything to do with it. Um, they are bogans in Queensland. They used to be Bevans. Uh, in Sydney, they're Westies, people from the western suburbs. In Hobart, they're Chiggers from Chigwell, and you know there are names for these young people dressed in a nondescript kind of way. That are, obviously they're very important because we've got different names for them. But I think Bogan has won out across Australia now. Yeah. Certainly South Australia, WA, they call about they talk about Bogans as well. I reckon we've all got an inner Bogan at least, Warwick. All right, thanks for that. Thank yeah. you very much, mate. Have a lovely day, mate. Might. Uh, 25 to 11. See, there's my inner Bogan coming out. Um, Peter in Carina, you're on the Rouse train too. Well, you, you, you mentioned Rouse. Uh, in America, on the ranches, they have roustabouts. Yeah, now that's an interesting one because I haven't heard it being American before. In my dictionaries, have all all listed this as Australia and New Zealand, um, and a roustabout is an unskilled labourer or someone who comes and does odd jobs around the farm, um, particularly in a shearing shed, I think. And uh, it goes way back into the nineteenth century, and it it's come comes from the word rouse, meaning bustle. You know, he's, he's going to rouse around, meaning bustle about getting things done. And so a rouseabout uh, was a, an odd job bloke, almost always male. I've never heard a female being a rouseabout. Have you? I'm Emma? sure. I think that mu- doing odd jobs. Do, doing odd jobs, yes, but being called a rouseabout? No. I don't think so. But that's generally most women Peter, who have I to will, look after a house. I will check the U.S. connection there. If there is one, it would be interesting. Because the verb to rouse, meaning to bustle about, is more Australia and New Zealand. And the verb to rouse on someone is more definitely more American. Okay. Final caller for today. Rob has called in from The Gap in Brisbane. Hello, Rob. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your question for Rolly? Uh, thanks. Uh, mm. I've noticed people say something with oh, a yes. K rather than something with a G. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me nuts. <laughs> yep, this is, it comes from Cockney, which is the dialect of the East End of London. And this K only really turns up with anything and something. Um, if you say think, it means I'm having thought processes. Uh, so that it's not, not a, a T-H-I-N-G pronunciation. Uh, often, by the way, the T-H becomes an F in, in East, the East End of London, something and anything. And anyone who remembers Steptoe and Son uh, and those older British Cockney comedies will remember it. So it's, it's a piece of um, British slang we've adopted. It's, you wouldn't ever write it, and careful people would never say it. But it's quite common in, in spoken, spoken Australian English yep. all over the place. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Rob. They're going to continue driving you balmy. Yeah. Uh, Rolly Sussex, just uh, one more text around horses as well. Fred mm. in Tarragindi in Brisbane is saying he used to work in a pub where trainers and jockeys would come in. Oh, yes. And they used the term boat race about a horse, meaning you should put your money on it. That's a oh. boat race. What does that mean? I Fred. don't know. We need someone who knows about these things. Yeah, a trainer I will, I or will a jockey. To, or a trainer or a jockey. I'll have to get chasing that one down. Yeah, okay. No idea. Thank you for something new. Rolly Sussex really uh, enjoyed our chat today, as I do every week. Thank you very much for your time. You want a last word? Oh, yes, final word. This is Zsa Zsa Gabor. The, I love Zsa Zsa Gabor. Yeah, the, the Hungarian-born actress. I've been married to a communist and a fascist, and neither would take out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> she needed a rouse about. 
The ABC's Word Wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Raleigh Sussex.